You're listening to Motherhood Unstressed, the podcast that talks all about the realities of being a mom in today's world, but also gives you practical takeaways for making the ride as fun and stress-free as possible. The way we live life is an art. I'm here to remind you of the power you already have to create a truly beautiful life. And if you like what you hear, if it resonates with you, please don't hesitate to leave a five-star review. This helps us get the message out to more and more women and help more and more moms. Thanks. Erin Guyette is a U.S. Marine, Onnit Master Coach, and entrepreneur. Erin has taken the struggles and achievements in his life to become an incredibly positive and powerful influence in the lives of others. Through his faith and drive, Erin gives others, especially men, the permission and tools to be authentic and vulnerable. And he shows us practical ways that we can all improve the relationship that we have with ourselves and with others. This was really um, a fun podcast to record. So many things that Aaron was saying resonated with me, and he really is just a wealth of knowledge for for how we can all be vulnerable and authentic and, and shows us how we can connect to others. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm here with... Uh, a very special guest, Aaron Guillette. And um, we're here to talk about something that is super important. And I'm really excited because it's coming uh, from the male perspective. And we've had a lot of guests on the show thus far, and they've all been women except for one. <laughs> and, you know, we talk about living a beautiful life and how you get there. And I think the, to the core of that is the ability to be vulnerable and to to really live our truth and not all of the time is that comfortable or easily accessible. So to have someone here who's willing to share their story and talk about how they did it and, and how their life changed from doing that, I think is really impactful and powerful and empowering. Um, so thank you, Aaron, for being here. Um, just a little bit of background about him. Aaron is a Marine. He is an Onnit master coach. He is the founder of Innovation Results Battle Ropes Education, and Leaders of Leaders. Um, uh, he has a unique history, and he's taken that into his new role as a coach, as a speaker, and an educator. So thank you, Aaron, for being here today. Yeah, thank you, Liz. It's uh, my honor, my great honor and great pleasure to be here with you and talk about stuff that's that can be hard to talk about for guys. Right. So why don't we get started? Why don't you just give us a little more back uh, about your background and, and your history? Okay, yeah, so I, um, I grew up in North Idaho, kind of podunk uh, country in a little town called Post Falls next to Coeur d'Alene. And um, I wanted to get out of the town so bad uh, that <clears throat> I thought the Marine Corps would be a great, uh, great way for me to go. My, my parents didn't want me to go into the Marine Corps. They were sort of like neo-hippies, uh, granolas that kind of moved up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so they were like, kind of, you know, afraid for me. So they, of course they wanted me to, you know, try to get into colleges and stuff like that. And so I, you know, I got accepted to a few colleges and, and could have gone that way. Um, but I ended up doing college after the Marine Corps. Uh, yeah. And then joined the Marine Corps on a fresh age of 18. I probably looked like I was 12 years old. I look at pictures back in the day. I'm like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, and so the Marine Corps sort of obviously my my life in Idaho shaped me a little bit, um, and there was stuff in my in my past uh, that I had already 
kind of been dealing with, um, you know, there's some like sexual abuse and, and stuff like that. And not for my family. They didn't even know about it. Um, I didn't actually tell them about it until after the Marine Corps. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, my mom didn't even want to like accept it. It was that like uh, rough or whatever. But um, yeah, and then I joined the Marine Corps. And then so I sort of was raised, obviously, by a good conservative family, uh, Christian family um, that valued you know, all the things that I think humanity tends to think are the, are the right values, you know, like, uh, you tell the truth and you don't cheat and you don't hurt people. And, uh, we protect people and we give and, you know, all that stuff. Um, and then jump into a culture at a, at a, you know, now I look at it as a very formative time in my brain, uh, development that is, uh, obviously trying to uphold those values, but at the same time, it's like, there's this high, uh, violence uh there's this uh, high level of and being okay with it uh, or trying to at least justify it in some way shape or form uh, because you're training to protect maybe your country or protect other countries or other people uh, but to do that um, there's people that are trying to you know kill those people so you have to learn how to uh, defend that and and so part of that is also the offensive part um, yeah, so I went through that, and then obviously you don't go through any sort of combat um, ordeal unscathed, especially if you're on the front lines and in ambushes and in firefights and uh, dealing with enemy prisoners of war and uh, finding ammo caches and, you know, all this stuff. Uh, so I got out, and, you know, I was pretty much lost. I thought – the crazy part is I thought – you know, you're 20 years old, so you know everything, right? <laughs> um, and I and I thought I I thought, oh, this is normal, and this is just the way your brain works, and this is how everybody thinks. Um, <clears throat> and contrast, it's, it was a sharp contrast to really what is kind of our norm in the civilian life of an American. Um, just generally speaking, obviously, there's certain subcultures and whatnot that might be different, but. Um, yeah. And uh, so there was a, just this really sharp contrast and I made some really bad uh, decisions and I was, you know, drinking and fighting and, and trying to, you know, thinking that that was just what you do because that's what I did in combat. And that's what I did with the Marine culture um, <clears throat> and obviously not drinking in combat, but <laughs> fighting uh, for sure. <clears throat> and yeah, and then made some really bad decisions, ended up behind bars uh, and thought, and that was the first time I really thought like, is what I'm doing normal? But mm -hmm. what, what am I here for? What is this all about? And then if I keep making these decisions, am I going to live a, a life where I can, and I wasn't even thinking I was going to have a family. I wasn't thinking, you know, any of these things. I just, is this going to be a productive and helpful life? Because bottom line at the end of the day, barring all of the things that had happened to me, you know, I really just want to help people. I want to serve people. I want to protect people. And if given the opportunity, I want to lead people well. And, and so I had to come to grips with, Hey, what I'm doing is this is not okay. But then I didn't have, you know, aside from obviously my upbringing, aside from the good parts of, of that and the good parts of the Marine Corps, I really didn't have a good guide because there was this, you know, constant like, well, yeah, you got to be good, but then you also have to be able to, you know, uh, 
procure violence or, or you know, whatever to, to protect people. So, um, yeah, I, I getting into what is, what is good, what is the good life? Um, and how, and how can I help people experience this? How can I, and how can I experience this? How can I make uh, good calls? So, you know, obviously there is this like postmodern kind of, uh, movement throughout culture where it's like, Oh, what, what you feel is right is right. And it's like, well, if that was the case, then, you know, obviously horrible people would do horrible things, but it would be right. And we obviously don't think that that's true. There is objective morality. Uh, you know, rapists are bad people. Uh, murderers are bad people. Um, you know, regimes that, you know, put people into slavery and then make them do work and torture them. Like those are bad people and they deserve, uh, you know, justice in some way, shape or form. Um, and so, uh, obviously going through a lot of like legal and, um, and a, a lot of counseling, a lot of therapy, a lot of group counseling, um, and then reading tons of books on, on philosophy and diving into multiple religions. Um, my, my sort of truth, my way has been etched most, uh, finitely, um, and most, uh, by this, character Christ, um, in history, uh, as well as, you know, obviously there's whole religions and things that are, are built around, um, his existence. Um, and, but there, there I was able to form a, a, what is the good life and, and how can I help people experience, uh, the good life and, and make good decisions? Like, how can I, okay, how can I know that even though I think I'm defending my friend, in a bar mm -hmm. that punching somebody is not the first thing that somebody should do. You know, <laughs> there's many different levels that you can, that you can travel to, to try to mitigate that situation, you know, calm that situation down um, and make a better um, decision. And, and obviously that's a small little um, pericope or, or, or section of the greater, I think, life and cultural uh, choices that we're all that we're, we're all left to to make decisions about whether whether we think it's good or, or not good <clears throat> and whatnot and so um, that that kind of became then my cornerstone and that was shoot I I didn't really want to believe it um, because I was I was raised a, a Christian and then I kind of went away from that and and some of going away from that was justifying you know some of the violence and some of the stuff that I experienced oh. in the Marine Corps. Um, so the last thing I wanted to do is like, be like, oh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Christian again, you know, and just kind of default back to this past thing. I wanted to like prove it. Um, <clears throat> so it took me years, uh, to, of, of, you know, inter, in, in, uh, interpersonal, um, looking at like who I am and what I am, but then also looking at, you know, culture and looking at history and, and trying to look at, for me, it's like super analytical look at facts and, and, and research that but I think that's super it. normal you know especially from the male mindset like you're very you know linear as a gender yeah. you know, you're fixers yeah. you're protectors your helpers yeah. things like that so I mean to me that makes total sense that you would try and figure it out that way you know based on yeah. research and you know 
hearing that, you know, that you had, you know, difficulties coming back. I mean, that's a story that we hear all the time, you know, with vets coming back. I mean, it's what, 21 suicides a day is this now, Um, you know, and a lot of, you know, almost everyone deals with PTSD in some manner or form. You know, my brother and sister were over in Afghanistan and Iraq as well as Marines. My father was a Marine. Um, So that speaks to my heart intimately. Like I get it. I, I I haven't experienced it personally, but you know, I, I have seen it firsthand. And yeah. so, you know, I, I'm sorry, you know, that you had to go through that, but I'm so glad that you came out on the other side and then now you're using that to help. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. You know, I, at first I was sorry too. Um, I was, I felt kind of sorry for myself almost. And, and, and then I realized that was a bit of a victim approach and maybe that's where I needed to be at that time. But now I'm the complete opposite of sorry. I'm so joy filled to think that I can now take that experience and and contrast it with what I experience now, which is great blessing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I've got a, a beautiful wife. I've got two beautiful daughters. And um, I think this will be the first time we go public with it. But I think I can now. So we have a third uh, child on the way. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've been able to help hundreds and thousands of people with fitness. I've been able to help hundreds and thousands of Marines and the Marine Corps give them perspective before they go on deployment, before they go there. And, and, you know, maybe I change one or two, uh, you know, obviously most of them are probably like I was, they're 20 stupid years old and they think they've got it all figured out. Uh, and so they're like, ah, what does this guy know? He's just an old guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, old, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, so, and I wouldn't be able to help that many people. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that much fire in my belly, so to speak. And I wouldn't have, uh, clearly defined values, clearly defined priorities. If I wouldn't have gone through that, I, I would have less clearly defined, uh, less finite, you know, it, it would, there would be a lot more room for me to make, you know, bigger mistakes and mistakes, which obviously I did make, um, which that, again, that's produced, uh, the position and the person that I am now. And, you know, for me, I just, I can't thank anybody else, but God, it's like, like, obviously he knew what he was doing. If, you know, he does exist, uh, and he has, you know, foresight, he, he knows what's going on, then uh, clearly he knew what was going on there. And so, yeah, I can't be any, any more happy than I am right now um, because those things happen. And I know that sounds kind of funky, like, no, happiness should just breed happiness. But without sadness, you can't contrast it. You don't know what really true happiness is. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually ecstatic that it happened. No, I mean, and I think that's such a great point because it's, you go back and you see that the best healers, you know, the best psychologists, the best therapists are the ones that dealt with the most darkness in their own lives and who found a way to heal and then were able to relate that experience to others. So the fact that you, you know, you sat with that and you dealt with it and you came out on the, on the other side and then you, you know, you talk to these Marines. And I think that that's huge, like giving people perspective before they go into that situation is huge. And I don't think that that's done enough. So kudos to you for doing that. I mean, that's hugely impactful for them. And I think it's more than one or two that you're helping. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So going back um, to kind of talking about, you know, the crux of our topic today is vulnerability and authenticity. Um, 
I mean, how difficult was it to go from, you know, this warrior culture where you can't show weakness, you know, or you'll get your, you killed or somebody else killed. You can't yeah. any kind of, any kind of, you know, vulnerability. How did you go from that, which is a very strong mentality, you know, it's ingrained almost, to yeah. somebody who puts value on vulnerability? Yeah, it's funny because so now uh, you know, I'm I, I'm in the Marine Corps Reserves, uh, so not full time Marine or whatever, um, and so I get to experience it like part time. And the beauty is, I get you know more of my time I get to experience with this kind of like culture that you're talking about, this authenticity, this vulnerability, uh, you know, truly you know true integrity. You know, the Marine Corps talks about integrity and honesty and honor and all that all those things, um, but. At the same time, we we do have this issue in this warrior culture of, you know, well, oh, if you say that, you're weak, or oh, if you do that, you're you're weak. Um, so it's cool. I get to bring that and sort of infuse that. And then at the same time, you know, I get made fun of sometimes by bringing certain things up or saying things. But I, there's been a couple of times where just me opening up, like breaking down my walls to you know, brothers, these are brothers in arms. These are guys that you should be able to trust. And, and you do, and you do talk about, you know, deep topics and things like that. But a lot of times uh, the walls kind of don't come down. There's certain emotional issues that you just won't ever lay out. There's certain um, fears uh, that you just won't talk about. There, there are certain past experiences that you just won't say. They're just, you know, they're faux pas that you just, oh, I'm not going to say that, you know, they're going to think that I'm weak or, or they're going to, or they're going to, I'm going to have a stigma where I am weak, whether they think I'm weak or not. It's just, people are just going to know that's the weak guy. Um, but the cool part is in bringing those up and breaking down my own walls, they're, you know, they're like, Hey, okay. So this is a, uh, almost a 14 year staff Sergeant. He's hopefully, hopefully I'm going to pick up gunnery Sergeant this year. He's a, I'm, I'm the ops chief, you know, for a, a cadre of high level combat instructors. And we go and teach all these units, you know, from Colonel general even, but uh, usually Colonel on down to the private um, and teach them infantry tactics, uh, whether they're infantry units or non-infantry and mainly non-infantry units. And, uh, and, and so I, I can only suspect that they're thinking, wow, if this guy with combat experience, you know, he was in the push to Baghdad. He was like, you know, running and gunning. It was like the old West back then. Um, if he's able to, you know, break down his walls and share, maybe I'm able to, and I've actually been able to hear a ton of, of deep emotional distress from guys, you know, with even, you know, even more deployments than me, um, or guys that have never deployed, but they had some bad stuff happen to them in their past. And they would have never brought that up to me. They would have never thought that I would have been okay with that because I, you know, I still have that exterior that is like, oh, this hard, you know, uh, Marine. And I tend to have a, I try to have a smile on my face because I know that helps break it down. But then old Marine Corps sort of steps in and then you end up having a frowny face everywhere you go <laughs> or whatever. And uh, you're just trying to look all mean and stern. Um, and so, yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have opened up they wouldn't have become vulnerable if I wouldn't have become vulnerable first. And so, you know, I think it's the leaders that really need to lead that. And authenticity is, that's an incredibly uh, motivating and, and transformative uh, tool, you know, and, and obviously I'm not using it to abuse it. 
I'm, I'm using it for its actual, you know, use. Like I want to get vulnerable because I know that's going to help me process. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully in me getting vulnerable, me being open, it might invite them to open up a little bit and, and it's going to help them in process. And think about this. If we have guys, warriors that are vulnerable before they deploy, don't you think they're going to make better decisions, especially when it comes to life or death? Yeah. Don't you think they're going to think twice before they pull the trigger on, on certain situations or think, Hey, is there a better way? Or, you know, not have to think so much about processing. Hey, cause I've thought about this before. I've got open about these fears about pulling the trigger and hurting people or killing people or whatever. Uh, if we can open up about that prior to, then we're, we're going to have guys that are able to actually, you know, shoot when they're supposed to shoot, not shoot when they're not supposed to shoot, and then not deal with as much PTSD backlash because they made better decisions when they're in country, right. you know? And, and so for me, it's like, I, you know, I, I don't mind getting made fun of a few times or having a little bit of a stigma or whatever as the, you know, touchy feely guy, um, because I, you know, I can hold my own when it comes to the hard stuff or whatever, right? you know, I'm, I, I outrun and out PT most of the young bucks. So I'm, I'm not, you know, and I can out, you know, combat, like fight them, whether it's ground fighting or fist fighting or whatever. Uh, you know, so that to me, it's like, it's not about that. You know, it's like, yes, we're going to train that. We're going to do that. But Hey, this is about getting your mind right, getting your emotions right. So you're, you're making better decisions as a leader or as just a subordinate, you know, that's, that's just on the line. Well, and that's a lesson too. I mean, not just for our military personnel, but for, you know, the police in our country, you're dealing with tremendous, tremendous amounts of stress and criticism. And, you know, people are making good decisions and bad decisions every single day. So I think that that's, that's a huge lesson to bring, you know, not just overseas, but to here too, because it is so needed right now. Yeah. Oh, and think about moms, you know, I think about my wife, the more that she opens up, the more that she talks about her insecurities, her fears, all that stuff, then the better mom she's going to end up being. And, and there's going to be times where she's going to say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at my end or I, I'm not gonna be able to do this. And I need to hand this off to my husband or, or hand this off to, you know, a family member or a friend or whatever, uh, for this moment. So I can, you know, re reconnect, re recreate myself, right. Uh, uh reset and then re-engage, uh, in a, in a better way. And the, the thing is we, you know, we pump ourselves up, moms, uh, wives, husbands, leaders, uh, business owners, whatever we, we pump ourselves up with a lot of times this like fake ego, uh, vision of ourselves. And so then, Oh, we can't make any mistakes and oh, we can't be vulnerable because if we're vulnerable. Then they're, they're going to see through who I really am. And, and, you know, and I, that's not healthy. You know, and we all know, we can talk about that's not healthy, but then doing it is that's it's that's the hard part. It is. But I think if you don't deal with it and you don't actually start being vulnerable, it starts to manifest in your body. Like oh, you, yeah. start, you start feeling sick or you start getting headaches. Or you start, you know, your shoulders hurt. I mean, it's and, you know, other healers that I've talked to say when your shoulders start to hurt, that's because you feel such tremendous burden. It's not because you did, you know, 10 pull ups that day or whatever, or like, you know, whatever else. It's, it really does like your body will show you what you haven't been dealing with emotionally for years prior, potentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, and it is hard. I mean, that's something I deal with every day is, you know, growing up with a Marine, Marine father, like we were always taught to be strong 
and to not show weakness and to do our best. And, you know, that was, you know, I don't want to say shoved down our throats, but I mean, strictly enforced. Oh yeah. Well, and it just demonstrated consistently. Right. Yeah. And talked about or not talked about, right. Or whichever right. way you want to look about. at it. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, so now, you know, I'm in my thirties and I'm, and I'm starting to really put value on, on being authentic and showing people that, you know, no, you know, I might look like I have it all together, but I really don't, you know, I have hard days too. And I think that yeah, that, yeah. like you said, you know, if you're someone that people kind of admire and say, you know, Oh, like they're doing, they're like super mom over there, but yeah, yeah. You say, well, not really, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this or this, it yeah. really does heal on, you know, a wider scale. Yeah. Um, that's well, not that you're, you know, not that, you know, any of those leaders or yourself aren't trying, you know, like we're going to try our best. We're going to give our dang best every single day, but we're human, you know, right. <laughs> we're not right. going to do that's it. That's the reality and that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's okay to be imperfect. I mean, that's the nature of humans. Yeah. Um, so when you were transitioning from, you know, being the tough guy to being the more touchy feely guy, I mean, was, was, did it feel good or did it feel, was there resistance? Oh man, it was, it was so, it was so mechanical, clunky, robotic. I mean, think about your, like my life growing up, uh, you know, my mom was, was pretty strict. Like, even though she was against me going into the Marine Corps, like she would be a perfect drill instructor, you know? (laughs) Um, and so she was pretty strict. And then, and my dad, you know, he tried to be there, but a lot of times like work or, or school or whatever, like took him away. Um, and, uh, obviously like, and honestly, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sharing some of the bad stuff. They were incredible parents. They did the best they could with what they have. I learned so much good from them. So when I'm, I'm mentioning this, I, you know, there's far more good than I'm going to, you know, that they have that I'm, I'm going to mention right now, but I think this is important. Um, yeah. So the way, you know, the way they helped grow me up was this similar situation as you It's like, you're tough. Then I'm like working on farms and that's how, what you do. You know, if you work out, you're tough. You don't talk about how you got hurt. You can cut your finger off and you don't say anything, you know, you just like walk away, try to sew it back on. If you can't sew it back on, then you go to the hospital and then they do it or whatever. You know, it's like this weird, it's, it's, but it's true. It's like, these, these macho ranchers and, and, uh, men and women. Like I worked for this woman rancher who was the toughest woman that I had ever met ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, she'd been kicked by a horse, totally like didn't go to the doctor, didn't go to the hospital. Like, Oh, I'm fine. It's fine. Just shake it off. I'm like, yeah, right. You're not fine. (laughs) You know? And my mom like got bucked off of a horse, broke her back. Oh, I'm fine took the horse back to the stable, hung the, hung the saddle up, went into her car, drove home, couldn't get out of her car. Like this is the, this is the, you know, culture that I was like growing up in. Then you go into the Marine Corps and they're like, here, hold my beer. We're going to make this even, you know, harsher, tougher. So you have that. And and this is just who you are. This isn't, uh, this isn't like, at this point, I'm not being, I'm not able to introspectively see like, okay, this is who I have been, but I can make decisions to become a different person. Like, no, this is just who I am, period. Done. You know, uh, I don't know anything else. I don't know anything but high conflict, uh, aggressive resolution, you know, uh, violence, uh, a culture of violence. You know, this is, this is who I am. This is what I know. 
uh, you know, growing up in farm community, like you had a problem, you settle it with a fistfight. You don't settle it by like uh, getting a lawyer involved or talking about it or talking about your feelings. Uh, you fistfight. And then it's like funny because whoever wins, like they don't really win. They just like won for the day. It was more like the fistfight that helped like get out some aggressions or it's super weird, right? It's this weird uh, life. And, and so then I'm now I'm in to answer your question. I'm in these group therapy sessions. Uh, I'm in uh, one-on-one counseling and and therapy sessions. Um, I'm having to like write stuff down about myself. I'm having to think about stuff about myself, which obviously, you know, being behind bars, like it was the first time, like, I got to think about this. I'm obviously not doing something right. Like something's off here. Um, now the cool part is all that stuff is, you know, in the past, it's all, you know, there's, there's nothing on my record now. There's everything is good. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was fighting. It was like a, you know, going upstream. I was fighting against every single inkling, every single emotion that's telling me this is dumb. And so for me, it was, I was so robotic in it. I would just, I was like, okay, I think this is the right thing to do. I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm just going to do it. And really it was the whole like fake it till you make it, you know, it's like, I'm just going to fake this and hope that this is the right call. But then the more I did it, the more I realized like, Oh wow, this is kind of cleansing. Like mm-hmm. ooh, talk about this. This is wow. I, I do feel a lot better. And, and at first not, you know, it was like months down the road, months of doing this, you know, every single day doing this for months. Um, and, and then, you know, a couple of months in, I'm like, Oh, wow. I, you know, I do feel better. So yes. then I'm like starting to purge now. I'm like journaling everything I got. Actually, I have a stack here. I have a stack of, of journals. Wow. Of just processing. Right. That's and, amazing. And those are, and, and those are all journals that I've written in. Now I've got a stack that I haven't written in and I'll probably continue to write in. Um, but yeah, doing that now I realized, okay, and it's not like you say it and it goes away, but you say it and and now because you say it and you talk about it and you and you feel it, mm-hmm. um, now you can do something about it. Now you can make a decision. But if you if you ignore it, you can't it's gonna do whatever it does. Like you said, it's gonna reside in your body, it's gonna reside in your head, your brain, right? In your mind, it's gonna reside in your heart, right? Emotions, the your emotional quotient, your intelligent quotient, and your your physiological body is going to take a toll from whatever it is that you're not dealing with, right. but is but is still going on, whether it's in your subconscious or your conscious, you know. Because that's the thing, like you can never run away from from what you have to deal with. It will always be with you until you, you know, sit with it and process it. And you did it through yeah. writing. I'm a huge advocate of morning pages and journaling. Like I have a morning pages notebook and then I have a journal that I write at at night sometimes. And I'm pretty consistent because if I don't do that, I start to feel like a buildup, you know, a congestion, an internal congestion. And so when I get back into that practice, I mean, I'm, I'm a better wife. I'm a better mom. I'm a better friend. I'm a better worker. Um, it's all those things. And it's just processing, you know, the stuff that, you know, that comes up on the, on the day to day. Yeah, that's absolutely. Huge. Um, so after you started to get into the groove of journaling and processing your emotional baggage, essentially, um, yeah. 
how did your life start to change? What did you notice first? Um, it's, it's really funny. Uh, so most people, uh, and this happened to me then twice. Uh, so I first started to kind of take ownership and responsibility of everything, not just the things that I only wanted to take ownership and responsibility for. So that means I have to take ownership and responsibility for the crap, the bad stuff, the things that I did that were wrong, the, the ways that I wronged people in the past, the ways that I am manipulating or lying or, or cheating myself, my friends around me, uh, any business, whatever. And, the, and then, so then the crazy part is when you start taking responsibility, like now you got to ask people for forgiveness, mm -hmm. uh, bring it up, admit your faults, do all the things that you've you know, been trained uh, to not do. <laughs> um, and so, you know, most people are like, oh, yeah, it was so easy. Like, oh, life got so much better so fast. It just mm -hmm. everything turned around 180. I was black and now I'm white or I was white and I was black, you know, whatever. Uh, whatever right. It's this this polar uh, change where it's like 180 is just easy. Uh, and that was not, I will say that that is not the case. If anything, things got harder, uh, at first because I had to take responsibility for, for stuff. Um, and, and so then there's five, six years, um, where I'm, I'm taking responsibility. And, and then after about two or three years into that, then things started to get easier because it, because all like a lot of my faults and a lot of the bad stuff, like I admitted, and I was either currently in process trying to improve, or I, you know, I had asked forgiveness for the things that I had done, you know, that, that were really were not only burdens for me, but I'm sure they were, you know, burdens for those other people. So setting them free, setting myself free, uh, even if it meant, you know, that I've got to pay some sort of penance, whether it's money or, or, uh, time or charity or, or even, like I said, just admitting that you were wrong, you know, and, and from a, a per analytical perfectionist, uh, hard, hardworking, uh, you know, seeming leader uh, to, to say those things like that's, that's tough because now you're not a leader anymore. Like you, you have to own that, Hey, I'm not a good leader, at least for this group, or at least this person, because I, I did them wrong, or I said the wrong thing, or I did the, I didn't do something that was right. So things got tough. And then a couple of years down the road, things started to get a little bit easier, but I still had, I was still holding on to a, a ton of things um, and trying to find the solution by doing something or by um, uh, getting something or acquiring something. And, and I just realized, and I, so I put that in, the, in that post uh, where you and I uh, kind of decided to, you, you asked me to do this and I said, absolutely. Um, but I realized like, you know, getting a bunch of money or, or getting a certain position or uh, being uh, being called a certain name, uh, that that is not that that doesn't make you better or um, changed or tr you know you're not transformed by that. The transformation is inside, and and so that's when the in walks uh, my you know that newfound relationship with Christ, and that, and that was in 2009. So I was like, ah, oh, you know, if I'm going to do this, I want to do this right. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go and do an accountability group. I'm going to study the Bible. I'm going to read the whole Bible front to back. Um, 
I'm going to get a mentor. I'm going to, you know, really try to discover this thing. And if, and if this isn't it, it for me, if this doesn't work, then I'm going to bag it and, and try to pursue something else. But, but there's still some stuff that's going on that like, I feel like, you know, I'm, why am I not perfect? It, you know, I've, I have taken ownership, like how, and, and so then, you know, that's when I realized, uh, like, Hey, number one, you're never going to be perfect. <laughs> um, and it's not about getting stuff. It's not about achieving certain things or doing things like those are all great. Um, right. but it's, uh, but it's a, it's your being, mm-hmm. who are you, you know, and, and, uh, what do you represent? And I realized that, Hey, I'm, I'm never going to be perfect. Um, and I, as I understand, you know, in, in my study, like I'm, I'm not going to be connected with God, connected with the creator, um, unless, you know, I, I choose into this relationship with Christ. And, and so for me, um, it was like, I, I was doing all of the doing all of the things that you're supposed to do, right? Getting all of the accolades, achievements, whatever that I'm supposed to get, uh, making money, you know, uh, being nice. Uh, but there's still there's still this uh, cloud or this uh, this inner darkness, if you will, right? That I feel like is is pervasive. Um, and I, and I was so afraid that the foot was going to drop and I was going to do bad things again. You know, um, I was so fearful of that. And so I just, uh, uh, my, I had a spiritual mentor and still have a spiritual mentor to this day. He, he was like, Hey, you know, you've been doing all these things and he's saying the same stuff, like right. you're doing this, right. You know, you're not, uh, you're not sexually immoral anymore. You're not sleeping with everybody. You're not, uh, doing this. You're not fighting anymore. You're not drinking anymore. Uh, you're, you're, you're doing good stuff with your business. He goes, but you know, you, you haven't, you haven't expressed, you know, true faith and without faith there, there, you're not going to, you're not going to experience God's grace, um, through Jesus Christ. And so I, I just, Hey, on, on May 21st, 2009, um, I gave, I, I, instead of holding on, right. I just, I just let go. And then, so like I said, for two years, it was tough. And then a couple of years, like three years, it was a lot better. And I was doing good stuff. I'm not even kidding you. Then it happened again, where because I let go and just let God, you know, fill my life and help me make better decisions and help me be a better person and and be a good father and be a good leader, um, because I was, I, I didn't realize how much I was still right. gri- gripping with a white knuckle grip on control over my life, my own life, and everything that was about me, and and you know uh, I was doing, and I did all the right things. I, I saw the counselor. I did the group therapy. I did journaling. I did. I read these books. Uh, I got this degree. Uh, you know whatever. Uh, I made this money. Uh, it wasn't until I let go that I really experienced. It was tough, man. I, I, uh, I, so I had a widow's peak and now it's gone. So widow's peak comes down in a V and then it, so the widow's peak disappeared. I lost 30 pounds. I, I didn't realize how much I was trying to just maintain control. And so when I let go, it was, I, when I let go, I didn't let, I didn't grab onto God. I just let go. And it was like chaos for another, about another year, year and a half. And, uh, 
and and I was like, man, I, I, what's going on? I, I, is this is is what I'm doing the right thing? You know, and then I and then I ended up losing money. Uh, then I ended up losing a lot of things that were in my life at the, at the time. And I was like, I don't think, I don't know if I'm making the right call here. Like, I don't know if this is, this is great. Uh, if this is the right decision. And, and about a year and a half after that, then things, it was like God needed to clear the plate, if you will, or clear the, clear the foundation because there was still stuff on the bottom rock foundation that was going to ruin what he was trying to create, if, if I can use a metaphor to describe it. And uh, he, he was trying to create something incredible. And if it would have been my way, he wouldn't have been able to make that incredible thing. So he had to sort of clear the foundation, make it nice and smooth. And then all of a sudden, building blocks of, of life and being in Christ and being with God. And, and then what would happen is then being with being a good uh, boyfriend to my now wife, you know, which is asking her dad to, to court her and like going old fashioned, but I'm like, you know, I don't want to screw this up. Like, and we did, we, we went so far as we didn't have sex before marriage, you know, we, uh, and then when we got married, uh, then I was blessed with a beautiful baby girl, you know, and I thought I was going to have boys cause I was came from a family <laughs> of boys and I was a Marine and whatever wrong. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and it was the, it was the most beautiful being, you know, that I could have been, been blessed with this, this beautiful girl, then, uh, blessed with another beautiful girl. Uh, the business, my business was going well, where, you know, we we're in the black again, uh, making money every single year after year, um, you know, was able to successfully sell it, was able to, you know, pursue a degree, was able to get back into the Marine Corps and give back. Uh, to an organization that did give me good stuff as well as, you know, some, some things that I had to deal with, but that was more my fault really than the the organization and the Institute's uh, fault. And so being able to give back to Marines and do things that I love. Um, and, and now, you know, I, I, regardless of what people want to say about me or, or um, whatever, like I can stand on, on this foundation and stand with integrity and say, look, every single day, I'm doing my, my very best, but I know that I'm weak. I know that I'm fallible. I know that I'm going to make mistakes. Um, but I also know God has a, a greater purpose for me in my life. And so I'm going to choose into that every single day. And, you know, so far, not that every story should end as a blessing story, but mine right now is I'm over and abundantly blessed way more than I feel like I deserve, especially considering my past. Um, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't thank God and I can't thank the past bad situations anymore. So yeah. How has it changed my life now? I'm completely 180 degree transformed, <laughs> you know, like, it, and, and it's, and it's a process as well every single day forgiveness, forgiving people that have done me wrong, you know, there's a process every single day, but if God can do it, so can, you know, and he gives me the power, then I can do it. You know, I can pursue that. Even, even though they wish me ill, I can wish them good and, and love them. Even if they're my enemies, right. Whether they're in Iraq uh, or they're terrorists or they're even rapists and murderers, right. I, I can still choose to love them like granted, I'm going to defend, you know, defend my family uh, tooth and nail and defend myself tooth and nail. And I wouldn't 
obviously allow them into my life uh, or anything like that. But I can still, I can choose to love them. I can choose to forgive them every single day. And that, I mean, that to, to choose to love and forgive the person that sexually assaulted you when you were six years old through nine years old. Um, to me, if that's not transformation, I, I don't know what is. And I, I wouldn't have the power to do that if I was choosing to do it on my own. Because like I said, I was just white knuckle gripping it thinking, okay, yeah, I'm doing all the right things. Um, but just doing the right things is, is different than being uh, a different person. So yeah, doing versus being, I think that that's so powerful. I mean, what a great answer. Um, and, and I think a lot of people can relate to that, that white knuckling through life. Um, you know, I know I can relate to that. I'm probably still dealing with that now, yeah. like doing everything I need to do, getting through the day to day, you know, moms, dads, everybody, people who own businesses. I mean, owning a business, as you know, is insanely stressful. Being yeah. a Marine is constant stress. Yeah. Um, and that's the culture. So that's, that's so amazing. And I hope, you know, the people listening um, will remember that and, and take that with them because that's, that's powerful. And, and that's, that's the point of these podcasts is to empower people to, to change their lives for the better, you know, not overnight. Cause obviously it took you years and years and years and you're still yeah. working on it every day, but that's, I mean, that's the end goal. I mean, I feel like that's why we're here is to really rediscover ourselves and who we truly are and, and you doing that through, you know, finding God. I mean, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, empowerment is, uh, is incredible. And the, the fact that you day in, day out, week in, week out, uh, produce that message and procure that message and try to proliferate that message. Um, I mean, that's the thing is like most people, they're not empowered. They're, they're, mm -hmm. they're powered by fear. They're powered by their insecurities. They're powered by, you know, um, all these other things in, in their life um, that, yeah, we get, we get, we start to white knuckle it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we're, oh, if I could just do this next thing and, uh, and like, Right. And I mean, the funny thing is, I I say that, and I still sometimes default back to that, and I've got to reset every morning, you know, like before. But I mean, about the difference between like ambition and drive versus yeah. you know, ego taking over. I mean, because I think there's still value in, in being oh, yeah. and and wanting to be the best. I mean, totally. there's value in that. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. There's, uh, yeah. I don't think if if you're put on this earth, I don't think that you were put on this earth to not give anything else but your best, you know. Mm -hmm. I think all of us, I have this uh, mantra and I, and I hashtag it a lot. Uh, next one, best one, it goes on in my head all the time. And it's like, if you could imagine a week, a week worth of all your interactions, all your experiences, all of the choices that you made, if you made, if you gave your best in every single one of those scenarios, would you be better today than you were seven days ago? And of course, everybody's going to say, yeah, I'd be better. And so why, why don't we do that? Because we know that it's, it's against resistance to, yeah. to be our best, to make that choice, right? The path of least resistance is not our best. It's mediocre or even sub-mediocre, right? It's less than, it's definitely less than best. It's less than probably mediocre to just kind of wallow through life being okay with being okay, right? Mm. And, uh, but and it's not being our best that we ever were ever in every situation. It's being the best that you can give in that situation, you know, understanding your sleep, your nutrition, your exercise, your uh, physical ability, your mental capacity, your emotional capacity, being the best of what you can. And then we know that if we train something again and again, then it will just be our constant norm. Then it will be our norm to give our very best 
in every single area and aspect of our life. And we, we know that we are going to do one thing like we do all things, right? So if I'm, if I'm not giving my best here, chances are there's going to be other areas of my life where I'm not giving my best. And how, how cool would that be? And is that if we can just intrinsically have this outflowing of, I don't know anything else but to try to give or to give my best in each of these scenarios. And, you know, again, we're going to fall short. We're going to have moments where we're tired or grumpy or hungry or, you know, whatever. And we're going to make a couple of bad calls, but I guarantee way more of your calls are going to be the right call and you're going to be doing it with your best. So it's going to be, you know, the things that are, are going to transpire because of that, the people that are going to be empowered because of that, yeah. right. Are, are just, then they're going to start giving their best. And, you know, that's, we need people like you in this nation, in this society, and in this world to empower more people to, whether it's, you know, my little mantra, give your best, or just be empowered to make a change and transform and help not only yourself, but help yourself so you can help others, right? Yeah. And I think that's where it starts. I mean, it starts with like, I probably started this, you know, as an offshoot of the writing and blogging um, as a way to kind of enable my own healing and my own self growth and empowerment through doing that. I mean, you can't help, but help other people. So I'm thrilled to do it. And then, you know, going back to what you said about creating a habit of, of not perfection. I hate that word, but you know, higher level functioning, you know, like you said, it, from a scientific perspective, you know, you are creating new neural pathways when you do, you know, an activity again and again and again, and you strive for to, to up level essentially your yeah. um, and so it does get easier and it does you do get more comfortable with putting in more effort and something that I've come to learn is you know I was always very protective of my energy um, you know I'm a very sensitive person I'm, I'm more uh, very intuitive very you know introverted yeah. and so I was always afraid to give people too much of my energy because I felt like it was draining for me yeah um, but what I've come to realize is you actually have a bottomless well of energy and love if you just kind of let go (laughs) and and be okay with it. And I think, you know, that's important for people to know, especially, you know, who might feel afraid of being vulnerable and and real with people is you actually get stronger through doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You you don't realize how much you have until you start giving it away. Wow. Yeah. And, And a lot of times giving it away can be, energizing and there and you obviously you might need to take moments where you get a good night's sleep or meditate or or kind of step away and give yourself some space to to refill the wells so to speak and to be able to go out and but give them give them again and the more we give the more we're gonna have capacity to give it's just like working out too i mean that's a fitness is a great uh, metaphor i think it's like the more the more you lift the more you're going to be able to lift right mm-hmm. so, but if you don't ever lift then you're not so if you don't ever give it's going to be hard to give you know yeah. but if you start giving then you're able to give more it's, it's pretty cool well, i think too like the older you get too like patterns are can be more ingrained like unless you have some life-changing situation if yeah. you don't do it and start doing it you know today like try um, yeah then it's it's going to be harder and harder to do oh, yeah habits are I mean, habits drive us, right? Like our, our habits, and we don't, we, until you do like a, a deep study on what you do every single moment of every single day, you don't realize 
uh, you know, I didn't realize at least, uh, all of my habits, good and bad. It's like, wow, that's most of my existence. You know, I'm just subconsciously going through the motions and it's the habits and behaviors that I've ingrained over the last, you know, 36 years that are kind of just taken a hold. Right. But I think that that's really normal. I mean, I think that that's the case for most people. Um, yeah. And just to bring in that element of self-awareness, like self-awareness is such a buzzword this year. Um, yeah, yeah. I think for good reason, because the minute that you start examining yourself and being honest with your traits and habits and, you know, things that you typically do and say, like you can start to create little shifts and it doesn't yeah. have to be anything major. It can be you know, maybe I'm not going to react that way to this situation. Like I've been in this situation before. Maybe I'm going to do this instead. And it just starts, you know, to culminate. And it's a really interesting, I find it really fascinating, um, brain science. And, oh, and me too. I love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I'm like you, like I'm really into physical fitness. I always have been. Um, and so to be able to turn that towards my mind yeah. it, it has been really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to lead into my next question, you know, you're someone that has now put relationships kind of at the cornerstone of your life, whereas before you were very, you know, mission-oriented, task-oriented. How how has that been? I mean, how has that, we talked about how your life has changed so enormously, but when when you start putting relationships first, as opposed to, you know, the very male thing to do is mission and task, like how did that change your life? Uh, well, so I mean, it's still changing my life to this day. Cause I mean, to be honest, I am not a, my default, the way I'm wired is not a relationship first wiring. Um, and you know, part of that's my childhood that we talked about a little bit. And, and then a lot of that's, you know, the Marine Corps as well. Um, as well as just, like you said, I'm, I'm the quintessential male linear you know, everything's in boxes, uh, uh, mind. So sort of, sort of put the, this, uh, very flexible, adaptable and difficult to deal with, uh, relationship first, uh, mindset, uh, is tough. And actually that's the, that's aside from obviously my salvation, but, uh, but the, the, biggest thing that I learned from my spiritual mentor is relationship first. This guy lives and breathes it. You want to talk about, you know, this intrinsic outpouring of just who he is, is he is relationship first, you know, all the time and maybe even to a fault, right? Because sometimes we just need to get some stuff done uh, in order to have good relationships in order to uh, not you know, go back on our word that we, you know, we said uh, that we would, hey, be on this uh, interview or whatever. And if I obviously if I didn't show up, um, you know, that's a task. But then now that I'm showing up now, we can put relationships first and kind of build this relationship or whatever. So for me, it was really difficult. And again, some days, even now, I feel like, man, am I faking this again until I make it kind of a thing? Like, because I'm just so prone to put tasks first. Um, And sometimes my, like, so now my tasks look like, because I know I'm task oriented, my tasks look like checkbox, put in quality time with child, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And the thing is, once I'm in that moment, what's up? talk to wife. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Talk to your wife. 
Uh, yeah, totally. And so, and the funny part is once I'm in that moment, then it's all about that moment and I can really be hyper-focused and, and really have relationship first. But man, if I didn't put it on the checklist, if I didn't put it on the calendar, uh, it probably wouldn't have happened. So I have to sort of reverse engineer my own kind of wiring and the way that I think so that I can ensure that I am putting relationship first. Like, you know, for me, it's like relationship number one, relationship with God. Okay, connect with that in the morning first thing when when my brain is at its best so that I can then connect with, you know, wife, uh, which is second and then and then kids, which are third and then the broader community and work and mm-hmm. and uh, friends and, and all of that that I that I have in my life that are important relationships to me. But I, I you know, like I said, I'm task oriented. So I have this uh, I don't know if you call it like a mandate or like a. Um, so I call it, it's, I got it from Dallas Willard. Um, and he's a great writer. If if you're into like kind of philosophy of how the mind works and relationship and, and, and whatnot, he was a philosopher out of USC died of cancer only a couple of years ago. Um, but world renowned, uh, so vision, intention, and means, and it's like setting that up. So I'll put in my vision and I'll put in my intentions and I'll put in my means, like how I'm going to do it, uh, that, hey, these relationships are most important to you. This is your daily reminder that, remember, you have this you know, friend named Marcus Martinez that you need to connect with uh, you know, on a weekly basis because you know that every time you connect with him, uh, things just feel better and, and things just go better, right? Uh, obviously, there's, you know, I talked about my relationship with God and my relationship with my wife and kids, but, you know, there's certain people that I need to make sure that I'm connecting with on a weekly basis because I know out of those relationships are going, are going to pour um, much better, uh, like you said, empowerment or production or, um, and then even just living, right. Just much, they're going to live a little bit better. I'm going to live a little bit better. If I'm living better then that means my wife's going to live better. My kids are going to live better, you know, and it just sort of crumbles, uh, or, or rolls down the hill, so to speak from there. Um, so like, yeah, relationship is the highest priority and you could talk, uh, you can do studies on people that are dying. You can do studies on the rich. You can do studies on the poor, um, and what will what you can always extrapolate from what I've researched from those studies is, you know, people when they're going to die, they, they they wish they had spent more time with someone. They wish they would have forgiven somebody. They wish they would have had a chance to forgive uh, somebody. Right. It's it's never like oh, I wish I made a couple more dollars. Mm-hmm. I wish I drove that fancy car, you know, and and even same with the poor, like there's poor that are happy in in countries and why are they happy well they find they're happy because socially and emotionally they're well connected right and so they don't need all this money they don't need more than a dollar a day they're still finding joy they're still happy people when they talk about your happiness on a scale of one to ten why are you happy and this is why i think this is why people like you are important uh in in this nation is like we're starting to become an unhappy nation. Why is that? Our relationship connection sucks. Like we're connecting, like it was awesome that, you know, you and I could connect on social media, 
But really the true connection happened when we started talking back and forth and kind of expressing you expressing yourself about me and about yourself, me expressing myself about me and about you. And then now it's sort of culminating into this interview, which, uh, you know, to me, it seems already very productive from a relationship empowering standpoint. And, and we know from all these studies that relationship is key. Relationship is far more important than money or doing things or accolades or ribbons or medals or whatever. Um, but are we going to act on it? You know, and that's a really important lesson. I think like for people who are super connected with Instagram and Facebook, but don't really have the skills to connect with people in their real lives. How do you, what would you say to them? How do you hone that skill? What are some things that they can do? Uh, so, uh, another great, uh, extrapolation from my spiritual mentor, um, and as well, uh, you know, just backed up by a ton of research, uh, into this and, you know, I, I did a, a graduate leadership, uh, I got a master's degree in leadership, whatever. And this is the constant finding, uh, even in leadership is like, you know, being obviously being vulnerable and authentic, but, but I think most important is just asking good questions, like if, it, like, if you didn't ask me that question, this would have never have happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but it took a certain amount of courage, a certain amount of, you know, and I don't know if there's fear or insecurity, like, oh, what if he's like, oh, what if he ignores me? What if he says no? What if, you know, all these things, right? And we, we could think about this in all t- types of relationships, in job relationships, in, uh, you know, intimate relationships, in friendships, uh, whether they're, you know, uh, more intimate, less intimate, whatever. Um, but it, being able to, you know, ask questions and, and I, you know, I, I would say this to all of the trainers uh, when I owned Innovative Results, as I said, be the most curious, you need to be the most curious trainer in the room. You need to be so curious about, because the thing is, you don't know who these people are. So how are you going to be able to provide them the best programming mm-hmm. if you don't know that they've got, you know, that they're living out of their car they're doing this to try to change their life, um, but there's way deeper emotional and psychological problems that they're having to deal with. But they're using, you know, workouts to deal with those problems. Like you, you're gonna you're gonna mismanage their program. You're gonna mismanage their programming, and you're gonna mismanage your uh, your ability, your job as a trainer, as a coach, uh, mm-hmm. to connect with them, to to show them maybe the love that they're not feeling or or whatever that might be. And uh, granted, we're you know as as trainers you know, you're not a psychologist, you're not a psychiatrist, you're not a therapist, and you're not trying to be one, but you can be a friend. You can be, you can be a relationship in their life. You can build trust with them. You can be that cornerstone that they grow in and and then make better decisions from. Um, But you can't do that if you don't ask questions. And so, you know, obviously there's, if they're already having a problem with it, they're, it's going to be tough for them to, to ask questions. But the cool part is you don't have to ask questions about yourself or have it be about you. You can, everybody wants to talk about themselves. Everybody wants to, everybody wants to, you know, feel like somebody actually cares, um, you know, about them, uh, cares enough to ask, Hey, um, I, I wonder, how did you get into this? Uh, business that you're in, you know, and obviously, you know, I can ask you those questions like, and, and know some of it is like, oh, you blogged and you did that, but there's way, a way deeper story. And I know there is, you know, um, and you've alluded to that a little bit. And so it's like, 
asking a question, you know, no, if anything, you know, somebody might not see it. And so they might not answer. Um, and so you can't get upset if they don't answer, but I guarantee if somebody answers and you're asking, you know, an authentic question just about who they are. And if, if they have time, like they are going to want to express that. Um, and then if you can actually be a good listener, which obviously you're uh, an incredible listener, uh, <laughs> but if you could be a good listener, then, uh, and actually just let them share it with you, then it's going to open up more questions guaranteed every single time. Like, Oh, okay. Well, cool. How did you, and then how did, how did that happen? And how did you get into that? And what's, and so you can be curious about somebody else. So you don't have to be worried about your own insecurities, your own shortcomings, your own uh, shortfalls, pitfalls, issues, errors, whatever, mistakes, sins, whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, but, and, and then, but out of that, I guarantee then they're at some point, they're going to be like, Oh, what about you? You know, and now you've, you've begun a friendship, but what we can't do is just blatantly post and blatantly comment on the surface and expect to be in deep relationship, you know, 100%. like, yeah, that can happen. You can do that. But if you really want relationship, relationship isn't found on the surface. It's found deep. So. Right. Which I think and we're humans, you know, we're all hardwired to to be in relationships for survival. I mean, since the beginning of time, you know, we had this tribal way of living and maybe that's why, you know, these people in these third world countries are happy because they do still have that and they are still living that life. And nowadays, you know, we're in America and everyone is busy working and they've got families and there's not, you know, you're not going over to the neighbor's house to hang out and have dinner and cook together. Like that just doesn't happen now. I mean, and if it does, you know, you have to schedule it a week in advance. Um, So I think that that's huge. I mean, and I guess my question, my second to last question is, you know, how, how especially to men, because I'm hoping more men are listening to this episode. Um, what would you say to them if they're afraid or they're, you know, they're not comfortable with putting themselves out there and, and making relationships a party? Because substance abuse, as we know, is huge. And I think a lot of that is derived from loneliness and, you know, not feeling connected. So what would you say to them? Uh, I would say slow and steady wins the race. You don't have to be everything to everybody all the time right now. Uh, you know, you, you, you can, you can take small little steps. Um, and you know, even if it's just asking people, you know, truly and authentically, Hey, how, how are you? Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then just shutting up because as guys, we'll try to fill the air, right? We'll fill the air because we're uncomfortable, we're insecure, we're like, ah, oh. I mean, and some, you know, females do this oh, too, but, sure. um, right? But, uh, but silence is okay, you know, and, and actually silence with another person when you're with it is far more intimate in my mind than filling the air with especially surface conversations. Like it's another thing if you're going deep and you're sharing vulnerability and authenticity, being authentic about, you know, who you are or what has happened to you and and who they are and what has happened to them. Um, But yeah, slow and steady wins the race. Uh, You can read the tortoise and the hare uh, as many times as you want. The hare never won and never will win. And I get to travel to all these cities and teach uh, fitness to all these, you know, different boutique gyms and equinoxes around the country and the world. And and, a fun thing that I get to do is I get to go to the local I try to find used bookstores, local used bookstores, and look for copies of the tortoise and the hare, Aesop's fables that has the tortoise and the hare in it. And it's because 
in, in every area of our life, slow and steady wins the race. Like, and guys, we want to be, you know, we want to have it now. We want to be good at it now. Uh, so if we're not good at it, we're not going to venture down that road. Um, and I would just say, you know, take us, take a small step. One, try to learn to listen a little bit better today than you did yesterday. And two, try to ask a little bit better question today than you did yesterday. And that will culminate in a, in a very short period of time, honestly, if you do it every day, because you're going to get a chance to listen every day. You're going to get a chance to ask a question to somebody every single day. So you do it every single day. That's going to culminate rather quickly into, wow, you, all of a sudden you're a much better active listener um, and you're engaged and present. So uh, put the freaking phone away, put the, <laughs> you know, put the electronics down, turn the TV off. You know, whatever it takes to take a moment and ask a good question and try to be a good listener. And slowly and steadily, you're going to see that you will be the tortoise and you will win that race. And what is winning? I mean, winning is you have a better relationship with one person or many people. You know, uh, you're empowered to do it more often uh, than you currently do it today right now. Um, yeah. And so, that, yeah, that would be the advice. Slow and steady wins the race. That's amazing. And that's just something so practical that everyone can do. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's why that's such a great answer. Yeah. Um, so my last question is when I ask every guest that's on my show, and it's kind of a way to culminate the interview um, and just give everyone listening um, a really good takeaway. Um, and the question, is, and it can be about what we talked about, or it can be just about life. Yeah, um, yeah. And so the question is, what's something that you've learned that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? Yeah, uh, this is awesome. Uh, because, uh, so if I could talk to and actually convince my younger self, the one thing that would change everything, it would be to take people that are older than you and, and have had more experiences than you take their advice and follow it. Um, and, 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 I, I, it sounds kind of cliche because that's almost like what this question is, right? It's like, I'm trying to give, I'm, you know, I have a couple of experiences, you know, maybe more than the, the male or the female listener at, at this time, or, or maybe not, you know, uh, but I have a couple more experiences in certain areas than, than, you know, obviously certain people at certain times. So I'm trying to, uh, you know, give advice, be that, you know, sort so to speak, wise, uh, advisor, wise counselor. And, um, and then hopefully that th these people, you know, listen. Um, but that it really is my advice. It's, it's my advice. Once I kind of hit that, it was, I was 20, I think I was 27 or 28 when I finally made the decision that I'm, when people that have lived longer than me or experienced more than me in this area or aspect um, or, you know, have more education than me in this area or aspect, I'm going to listen to what they say and try to apply it into my life as best I can and as immediate as possible. And I started doing that. And again, like I said, like that's when things really started to, to actually change and actually transform. Um, and so that's the advice. And I, and I give that to all the, you know, 20 stupid year old Marines and they're not stupid, but uh, but sometimes they make decisions where you're like, what are you, what are you thinking? You know, but it's, their brains are still forming, you know, their yeah. brains are still yeah. developing. Yeah. And, uh, and so I get it. So I'm like, Hey, I, I know this sounds 
dumb and cliche and you probably won't take this advice. And I just, I, you know, I, I premise it with that because like I try, I put myself in their shoes and Mm -hmm. I I probably wouldn't have listened to it either. Um, and because I'm sure I had people tell me this (laughs) when I was 20 years old, but man, if I could have, and I think about this all the time, if I, I, obviously I wouldn't have experienced some of the horrible things that I experienced, which created the, the person that I am now, which is awesome. So I don't take those things back. Having to relive it, I'd still relive it. But if I would have listened to 80% of the wise counsel's advice and done it at even probably 60%, you know, not even like a D, you know, <laughs> on the great scale, like I, I would have experienced far less trauma, mm-hmm. far less bad things. I would have made far better decisions. I would probably be in a better situation than I am right now. And I, granted, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm in a really good position and, and that's awesome. But man, if, if I, if I only would have, right, things would be far different. Um, and I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't have had to talk about me being behind bars. Maybe it would have, you know, maybe this conversation wouldn't have ever happened, but right. Mm-hmm. You try to relive it, it that way. But, um, but the thing is like, I, I regret a lot of that stuff. Like I, I, if, if I had the choice with the person that I am now and I was confronted with those situations, I would not have done those things. Yeah. You know, I, I would not, uh, that, cause those things are, they were bad you know, through and through objectively, not good decisions, objectively, like anybody will tell you like, yeah, that was not good. That was not healthy. That was not, um, productive. Um, and so that, that for sure, that is, that is the, that is the one thing uh, that I would pass on. Absolutely. That's amazing. And I feel, you know, and if people don't necessarily have, you know, close family members, um, who can give them advice or, but there's always online outlets too. I mean, there's always oh, yeah. people putting their content out um, that can be inspirational and, and affect positive change in your life. So if you don't have anyone next door in your house, you know, there's, there's others. So seek that out. That's Absolutely. great. So um, if people want to work with you or have you come to their studios and train, how can they uh, find you? Yeah. So, um, my sort of, I have a hub site now is actually recommended to me by, uh, the chief fitness officer at on it and on it Academy, uh, John Wolf. He's like, yeah, you should do a hub site. Cause you got a lot of good stuff going on or whatever. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Uh, so Aaron like super simple. Um, and it has kind of the, the four aspects, um, that I step into in terms of like helping. So, Uh, one is uh, the disciple. So that's, um, obviously I've spoken at a lot of churches, um, and I would speak at anybody's church. Um, and then there's the Marine. So uh, obviously connect, um, I'm at mobilization training battalion. The link is on there. Uh, you can go check that out and, and our unit would be happy to bring uh, any other unit. So if there's any Marines that are in a unit right now, that's a non-infantry unit that wants some infantry tactics, uh, talk to them in a fun and engaging way. That's what we do. Um, and then of course, uh, the fitness, uh, so battleropes.org is, is that's my fitness company right now. It's an education company. I teach fitness education mainly with battle ropes, but my, the big part of that is I teach metabolic pathway programming to help people get more powerful or stronger or, or build more endurance, more efficient. Um, and so you can find that there. And then, 
uh, on AaronGuyette.com. It's it's on there. And then the final one is the the leadersofleaders.org. And so this is sort of a back burner project for me. This is what I'll probably move into uh, five years from now. Um, but I, I used to do these culminating events. Uh, they would be like two day, five day uh, events uh, that called Commando Course, where it puts people in a really uh, tough physical challenge out in the elements, and I teach them survival and land nav and you know all these cool things. Uh, but it's really about building leadership, building confidence, and building teams. Um, and so probably five, like I said, five years from now, I'll, I'll probably be pursuing that a little bit more. Uh, but right now, the site's up, leadersofleaders.org, um, and you can kind of read a little bit about it um, and what I do. And I do actually consult with small businesses, um, fitness and, and not fitness, mm-hmm. uh, to try to help them build systems and build specifically uh, leaders of leaders development. Um, so, and, and that to me is, uh, I believe that that's my purpose on this planet is to help build leaders of leaders. So not just uh, build a bunch of followers, but build people that can go out and make change, kind of like what you talked about, you know, empowering people um, to actually transform not only their life, but lives around them. So that's amazing. And with your history and your training, I mean, you must be amazing. So I'm sure people will love to work with you. Well, thank you, Liz. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. I feel like I learned so much. I got so much out of this. I know that the listeners uh, will too. Um, So just thank you again so much.